Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew and my good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm, I'm really good. Would it be an episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast, if I didn't make some sort of braggadocious comment about how good I am on the fader, a thing that nobody else cares about? I thought you were a little hot coming in. I think oh, you thought you, I you was faded, hot. You faded too fast oh, right away. You just okay. yeah, a little hot. All right. Well, that's some constructive criticism. So we'll I'll be, take it. Uh-oh. We'll be critiquing Everett's uh, sliding finger in future episodes. <laughs> I've, I've gotten many critiques on my sliding finger over the years. You're welcome. Uh, How's your confidence right now? <laughs> I'm pretty. I, I feel confident, man. Okay. I'm feeling. I'm feeling very high on life, and not on drugs. Yeah. Because I'm in a police officer's house. Happens. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm good. It's uh, it's been it's been hot. So last week I think we said spring has sprung, and then we went straight into like 96, 97. I was gonna say mile per hour, but degrees. That's what we yeah. measure that that stuff in. 96, 97 degree days, like three in a row, several, four in a row, several. Uh, so I, I hadn't even fertilized my lawn yet. <laughs> and, and then in the meantime, and then in the meantime, I got Andrew, I believe I got COVID. I believe I got COVID. Yeah, I yeah. had a terrible bout of conjunctivitis, nay, cellulitis in my eye that required a uh, medical treatment. It's and, and now I'm like back to normal. Yeah, you look like the thing. It's been a week, just one side of your face. It has been a week. Exactly a week. Yeah. Well, two weeks since I've been sick, but yeah, it's been a week. The eye thing started last Thursday. I know that because the eye thing started last Wednesday. Yeah. Because after the day after we recorded, you texted me that horrible picture of your face. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure I had COVID when we recorded last week. So I'm feeling good. Yeah. Good. 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 Uh, so it's been a week. It's been incredibly hot. I got super weird, sick, random. I f- spent some time in a medical. Uh, <laughs> That's just because you're getting old, man. Yeah, I guess. I, this is just this is a symptom of being old. Like weird diseases. But other than that, I'm fucking rad. How are you? <clears throat> I am also good. I got a lot of yard work done, even though it was hot, and I pressure washed my most of my backyard, like ninety eight percent of my backyard. There's two cement bricks on the side of my house that with just one hose I couldn't reach and then I did not feel like finishing because it was too hot it it was hot so my pressure washer is still outside just can't quite reach those last two bricks but other than that uh, it did give me the side by side because I was lamenting like my patty like everything looks clean but you need I don't feel like it looked that bad yeah now when you look side by side it's like black sidewalk yeah shiny gray, gray sidewalk so. yeah fair enough pressure wash. this was a good week to pressure wash it was yeah it yeah was a good week to so pressure everything's wash. everything's cleaned up it's springed i got all my yard debris taken out my lawns are mowed i'm feeling good and we're here drinking beer talking watches i'm not drinking beer because you didn't give me one well there's a whole you're there's a, a whole terrible hostess cooler right here here i'm trying not to hit the microphone with the, the bag of cans Take your pick. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take this orange one because it looks different. Uh, contact haze. That it is different. That sounds like a yeah. weed joke. I love it when beers make weed there's jokes. Another, there's another boneyard, and then there's two stores. So we've got. We're, we're we're talking about watches today, Andrew. As usual, per the usual. Uh, we've got it. We're gonna do something different. We've brought 
we brought a friend. You know who he is, but I'm going to I'm going to really ride the suspense in case you're like playing autoplay in your car or something. Uh, we, we've brought a friend and this is um, amongst the people that we've had on the episode. I would say upper echelon in terms of industry knowledge and experiences. Um, someone who has offered and who we've taken him up on his offer to kind of talk about what what is the watch industry specifically what is the swiss watch industry we talk about these things in fairly vague uh terms and and sometimes we're not smart (laughs) and and (laughs) sorry sometimes we even talk about them in ways and when i say we i mean the royal we right we talk about these in ways that make assumptions perhaps uh, or, or even just completely like, uh, like skip over the details, right? We just, without thinking about it subconsciously or knowingly, we skip over the details, things we maybe suspect, or we have a feeling about, and it's just at the end of the day, we just kind of cruise over it. So we, we take a lot of knowledge and a lot of lack of knowledge for granted. <laughs> we, we, we've, we've got a person here who was on the show recently. We've got Mike Martini, who is... Uh, here today in his capacity as founder and owner of Everest Horology, maker of world-famous rubber straps, Mr. Demartini, I've been told, I was told by your PR person that I have to call you Mr. Demartini. I don't know. That's a little weird, but whatever. You do what you do, you, Mike. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, I don't remember uh, requiring that, but sure. There was a list uh, of select uh, of yeah. options to choose from that was the least degrading for us. Yeah, well, and, and yeah. that's right. Yeah. Well, Probably. and there was also like a list of like, they wanted us to like provide like jujubes in an orange bowl and stuff like that. And I was like, look, we're not in fucking St. Louis. All right. Your PR person's great, though. Yeah, she's uh she's a beast, that's for sure. So <laughs> don't, don't mess with her. She's aggressive um, with the riders. I'm yeah, joking. I'm joking about all of this in case you want. Yeah. So but thank you for having me on the show, gentlemen. Um yeah, I I uh I really am excited to be here again today because it was a it was a great show we had last couple weeks ago, and that was like post pre- pre-covid for you guys <laughs> with exploding eyes and uh i guess also it was post uh, post watches and wonders pre heading off to um to uh wind up yeah, yeah you guys had just gotten back from watches and wonders like within a few days before yeah. we recorded yeah which was super freaking cool i i hope that the that the kids at home enjoyed that show cuz honestly uh, that was really, they, they've really taken that up a notch. And let me tell you also the guys over at wind up running that from horn and wound yeah. have also kind of really upped their game as best. I, I think it's, it's probably, it, it probably is one of the most impressive shows from, um, an amount of brands that they shove in to a, uh, really tiny at first, but then it gets kind of expanding as now it's like a two floor thing. Yeah. Cause you guys did not, you, you couldn't make it out to San Fran, right? Well, correct. We were not able to make it. We did have Mike Razak, um, who writes for a blog to watch. We had Mike Razak on the show to talk about, you, you know, the, 
the changes the to thing. the event. And we, we've been yeah. in the past, obviously, but that's, you know, I, I think it's really hard to argue that there's not a, that there is another more dynamic show in the United States that wind up. I, you know, I know obviously we've got events like watch time that happens simultaneously with wind up in New York and, and clearly you've got a bigger diversity of brands and you've got much more hot horology, hot horology at watch time, but it is not anywhere. If, in my, in my opinion, it is just not as fun a show. There was not free McAllen at, wind up though. oh that's true i did get free mccallan at watch time so so you know yeah so i mean it is a, there's no doubt doubt that the guys at watch timer it's a pretty prestigious fancy pantsy thing and i've been to it a couple times i always feel a little bit of a fish out of water but i'm always impressed with what's around me like there's no yeah. doubt yeah um, no, no doubt but yeah i mean again thanks for having me on the show i'm super excited to talk about the watch industry um, I, I mean, I think that it's, it's definitely a, a, it's, it's a unique conundrum because everybody kind of wants to know like how the sausage is made, so to say. And I don't mind sharing portions of that with you guys. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't think that there's just, there's, but there's at the end of the day, I have to say this and I'm going to say this before we talk about this, like. If you like the goddamn watch, just buy the goddamn watch. So like, you know, like <laughs> stop, stop, stop. Like, you know, perseverating on the location of where the screw is made. Come on, guys. I mean, really? Yeah, it's just not, unless, it's not good for your mental health. Unless Darren you know? Tiffany's making it in his garage, right? It doesn't really. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's a good point. And I actually think it's good to set the tone of the show. So uh, we are, we are entry level watch enthusiasts or affordable perhaps is a, is a more oft used term, uh, which means at that, at that level of watch manufacturing, one assumes that many things are being made in Asia, um, that there's cost savings everywhere they can. Cause in order to make these, these watches have a, have a margin, um, there's got to be economies right whether that's economies of scale or uh, by way of using less expensive labor or manufacturing so w what i think i think your point is and, and i think what you're getting at is that there the economies and certainly in terms of location of production and um there's things that might be surprising to people but that doesn't make the watch worse right and and so when we talk about, you know, maybe a screw or maybe a, an entire clasp or bracelet or whatever is not manufactured in Switzerland, notwithstanding the Swiss made label, we're not, we're not pulling, we're not, we're not taking anything away from those, those watches, those brands or anything. Yeah, I think it, and you know, and I don't want to cut off Andrew here because I think it really just needs to be said that like, you know, if, if you look at all the watches we all own. Right. And if you if you're and if you're an entry level guy and you're saying like, hey, I can only afford a five hundred dollar watch. I think there's a lot of really great five hundred dollar watches out there right now. Me too. Mm -hmm. For three hundred. I don't know about three hundred fifty, but five hundred bucks, you probably get a good, pretty good piece. When you cross Th the that is actually the entire point of this podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and you know what? More power to you guys for doing that, because there is a reality check that you cross a certain price point and let's just call it a thousand bucks. And the question is, are you getting a better watch 
than from 500 to a thousand bucks. That is truly in the eye of the beholder. And I think that just has to be said, no matter where the hell the damn thing's made, Timbuktu, Switzerland, or my backyard, it's like, you have to, you have to validate why you liked the watch in the first place. And as you go farther down the path and you hit these upper echelon brands where you're a hundred percent, the whole thing's made in Switzerland, or if that's, if that's really what's going to like move the needle for you. Okay. Then that's awesome. That's good for you. But at the end of the day, like it really does come down to like, did you enjoy the watch? I super appreciate that insight. I'm wondering about your background, how you got to where you are, where, where, you know, you're, you're the founder and owner of Everest and it's a watch strap brand that we all know and, and carries some of that oomph that we're talking about in these upper echelon watches. What's your background to, to get you to where you are? Cause you don't just fall into this. I so if you can fall into this, please let me know. And then, you know, this is a different conversation, but, um, <laughs> yeah, let's end the podcast right now. Right? Have you, um, seen, have you seen our resumes? <laughs> we, yeah, we emailed those. I did get them both and I appreciated them guys. Super I'll definitely sharp. file them for later. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, They'll fit on this. No. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the, the true story, like I don't, Justin, my partner on Monta watch has this like very beautiful kind of like 13 year career in finance thing. And it sounds like really great on a podcast. Mine is more of like, uh, I was kind of asked backwards 12 years ago. Okay. Personally, and really down and out, I was in the real estate world and specifically I was like a home developer, small time home developer. Let's not fancy this thing up. You know, like let's make really what I was in 2010, 20, I was like 20, yeah, I was like 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. Shit had proverbially hit the fan for me. Like I was teetering on bankruptcy every single day. I was also working like nights, we'll say painting apartments and um, doing anything I could to make the ends meet. Okay. So I had, I, I, you know, I'm college educated. I actually graduated with an economics degree. Um, I had done pretty well for myself previous to that, but that, that period of my life was really down and out. Okay. Were, were you on the my tail end? Was, was that what you were doing in, during the, the like 2008, 2007, 2008 crash? Or did you kind of fall into that afterward? Yeah. So St. Louis was like, no, 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 no. I had already been in it. I, I, I was in real estate in like 2004. Okay. So, so you're like, four, okay. Five, yeah. I was riding the thing up. I was really enjoying it. I was making very good money. And I bought my first Rolex back in 2007. And it was a GMT Master 2. It was the it was the two tone or it was the um ceramic bezeled LN version. So that I'd gotten like one of the very first ones. Yeah. Um but a lovely watch. Or MSRP too, probably. Super kick-ass watch. <laughs> I mean, this thing is just so badass. So I actually had to sell my Rolex back in 2010 to make the, uh, to make ends meet. Like that's how bad things it got. Mm -hmm. So, so there I am, like I said, you know, and I tell my wife and I about an idea to make a rubber Rolex watch strap. I saw a competing product at the time that was in the market. I won't mention name, but you guys can like draw conclusions who they are. And I know who they are. I thought they're, 
I don't know. I, I don't have any clue, but I have a guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their design, I see their design is flawed. I thought it would be uncomfortable. So I bought one and I tested it out on a friend's Rolex and I was right. So I was like, shit. I think I can make enough money to pay my rent. <laughs> if I sell a couple of these every week, I think I can make enough money to pay my rent. So tell my wife about it. I did tell her, no joke, a few hours after we had had our son. That's the best time. Like, She's going to agree. Well done. She Narcotics was not agreeable. <laughs> <laughs> she cares about nothing else. Like, yeah, sure, fine. Do what? Leave me alone. She's like, you're such a shit for brains. Are you kidding me? Like, you want to do this right now? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I really want to tell you about this great rubber strap idea. She's like, shut up. We'll talk about it later. I was like, okay. So, um, so I go home. We've just had our son, like, not like, you know, fast forwarding a few days later, tell her about it again. And she's like, you know, it's actually a good idea. I bet we could pay the rent with that. I use Kickstarter to get the idea off the ground. Um, at first we made it in the U S and I didn't know a damn thing about rubbers and plastics. And the first one came out and it was okay. It definitely was worth whatever people paid for it. It was American made. Um, and it, it started to catch people thought it was kind of cool. It was a cool concept. And it was more comfortable than the competing product. We'll just say that. As time progressed. Was, and the, the other product was also made out of rubber B, right? <laughs> You're hilarious. Is that right? Worst. <laughs> <laughs> it may have been a rubber product. Okay. <laughs> like, so, gosh, the, the audio is terrible in this. Um, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so long story short um at the time like i knew that the american manufacturer wasn't very good that i was dealing with and that i i was personally like refinishing the product like me michael demartini who not, knew nothing about rubber products was refinishing the product and then repackaging it and whatnot rough so <laughs> i ended up finding a swiss manufacturer um who was hesitant to take me on at first because they were like yeah i don't know if you're gonna be able to pay your bills so but second product came out. Why Swiss? We improved on it. Why Swiss? Great question. Well, um, at the time, I figured, well, I want to increase the price. Little <laughs> did I know that it was going to drastically increase the price of the product itself. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I kind of, you know, um, so yeah, so the American manufactured product wasn't, was we'll say it was price X and I was getting the correct markup, but then I had to... When I went to Switzerland, it was like a dramatic increase in price. Was part of the thinking with that getting yourself closer to the, to the watch brands that you wanted to get your straps on as opposed to going oh. to Asia or anywhere else in the world manufacturing rubber? I, it, here's the crazy thing is I knew nobody. I knew nothing. I just like literally, and this is this is like 2013, okay? So these guys didn't even have websites and stuff. I just started like calling companies that I, that I thought used the word watch strap in the name of their business. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and eventually, and they're all like, they all speak French and they're like, who, you know, they're like speaking in French back and they're like, I don't even know what, so I did hang up on me. And it was just, it was just a hot mess. And eventually I ended up finding one and, um, 
and they said, yeah, you know what? Send us our design. The guy spoke English. Um, the, one of the managers of the company said, send us the design in, in uh, 3d format and we'll see if we can make it for you. And little did I know at that time, I was like literally talking to the same manufacturer as like, I can't list any of the brands now, but we'll just say like huge, a, a baller. gigantic, the, yeah, the, like, like the big boys, like at that time. So they agree to making the product. I barely can afford the tooling. We go and we make it. Again, my, my business at this point is still teetering on bankruptcy after like two years. And um, really, to be super honest, what saved it was when Rolex came out with a rubber strap uh, on the Yacht Master in like 2015. And I was actually at Basel World and our, our sales went overnight, skyrocketed up, like double overnight. Because at that point, I had another product line um, that was a leather product line that's it, still in production today. And it utilizes a steel link that connects the leather strap to the watch. Right. Um, and, and we were just, you know, we were kind of just hanging in there, man. We were not doing great. And, and it like the, the true story is, is that it's not glamorous at all. Like there's no like private planes and, you know, there wasn't any like yachts and the champagne I was drinking was not champagne. You know, it was like, it was, uh, it was, it was Miller light and just trying to make things happen, you know? Right. So, um, and that maybe doesn't sound as luxurious as everybody thinks it is, but it's really the truth. And if you go and you kind of dip your toe into the Swiss world, the manufacturers over there, the real manufacturers at the level where I was at, which was kind of like low grade, you know, they're the guys who aren't making what they're, they're making the products for the watches. They're not the watch brands. Mm -hmm. Right. So they're like they're manufacturers, their facilities kind of smell kind of gross. And, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's that kind of level. <laughs> Truthfully, you're laughing, Andrew, but this is like straight up true. Like just the observation you know, like, of being there, like that smells better. <laughs> it's it not, I don't know if I want to be in this room right now. Like, you know, because they're, you know, they're rubber molders. And then I met through that rubber molder. Um, they, I had said, Hey, I want to make a, I want to make a product with a buckle. And they said, oh, well, let us introduce you to a buckle manufacturer. And I was like, okay, cool. And this is like 2014, I think, maybe somewhere around there. You know, 13 or 14. I can't remember exactly when it was. And um, that manufacturer was a um, very nice person. And he just said, yeah, let me uh, let me show you how that's done. And then... Uh, that same rubber strap manufacturer then introduced me to um, a leather strap maker. And it was just, it kind of went like, it was just a, 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 because I was paying my bills because I wasn't being a dipshit because I was the funny American that everybody laughed had this crazy product that make, they're like, Oh, it'll never be much. And then now, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a household name in watch guy world. Um, I'm yet to walk into a Rolex AD and they not know who I am. I'm, it's fun going to that level, but it, it, it didn't, it all started with me just wanting to break out of the world that I was here in St. Louis and just trying to make something better for my wife and my kid straight, straight up. It's like the total truth. There's like no, there's no like pretty story where like, like I said, private planes did not occur. Well, there's, I, there's, you know, we're, I think we're, we're simple guys, Mike. It, I think that is a pretty story. Uh, you, you know, I think that you are self-deprecating in a way 
that is, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a cool story. You don't need to be self-deprecating. Uh, so, but I do want you to fast forward now. Here we are, ten years yeah. after that. So you you're starting to network. You're building a network. You're meeting people. You've now who aren't who you aren't competing with. So they're friendly with you, right? I mean, oh, that's yeah. part. That's a huge part of it. Is you're not competing with them, so they're willing to open the doors. You've, right? n- you've now yeah. started, you've now started in addition to your strap company, you've started a watch company that you run with Justin Crodel and, uh, you, you are plugged in, you, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't say this, uh, I, I don't say this as a dig at all, but you guys are very proud of your products. You know, we're using the best hand manufacturers. You guys are obviously focused on the, the nuance and the details and the minutia of the products. How do you go from, I, I know a rubber guy, I know a buckle guy, I know a leather guy, to being plugged into that industry? What, what were the things uh, that kind of marked that journey? So now I need to explain something to you guys, and you probably know this just from like just being human beings, right? So a lot of the world is full of human trash, People don't pay their bills, right? People commonly make up stories about where the money is, right? (laughs) And I couldn't do that, okay? Because because I wasn't Swiss, all of these manufacturers at first, and they still, they they, they now, obviously that's changed, but they they require to prepay everything up front. And I would call when they had, like, when they were a little delayed, I'd be real nice about it. I'd be like, hey, guys, like, you know, I did prepay everything up front. So where's my product? And because I was pretty cool about things and because I was prepaying up front, and I'm not going to ever mention a name of a watch brand, but there's a lot of them. They don't prepay anything up front. So it's kind of was at that time back in 2014, 15, like that let me in the door to a lot of different places because they would say things to each other, and I now know what it meant in French. They're like, "This guy's more than happy to prepay up front and let us in the door." Now, it, this guy's easy money. A, he'll pay he's easy money. Like he pays his bills, right? And then on top of that, to like point it out, is that this was a period of time when watches really weren't ascending. Okay, everybody was flipping their shit because they thought the Apple Watch was going to hand them their lunch. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like. You have to put um, the mindset of the Swiss guy in 2014, 2015, when the Apple Watch shows up and they think Quartz Crisis Part 2, okay? Instead, it's the gateway drug to the watch industry. Yeah, yeah, little did we know, right? Yeah, little did anybody know, right? So I was a little bit right place, right time. You're right, Everett. I'm self-deprecating. I'm joking here. But the truth is, is like, I just happened to be the guy who was doing everything that I was being asked of. But also this period in time put me in this weird spot. And I and I am the only American, period, full stop, at any of these companies. Like they come out and tell me, like, you're, we're not letting any other buddy, we're not letting people in because it it we just don't need to. No, not anymore. So yeah. not anymore. Yeah. No. Like that that's that has definitely changed. Cause the facilities I used to walk in that were like. 2000 square feet are now like 30,000 square feet. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the big, huge difference there because that's the the conversation point. 
So, but if I'm saying like what exactly happened and where the steps kind of changed, it was right around 2000, the early 2016. 2016, Everest had taken off. You know, it had in, in one year from, we'll say, the sales in 2015 to 2016, because of that Yachtmaster release, my sales had like tripled. Okay. Yeah. And everybody started to know me as the rubber Rolex watch guy. And I was like, I didn't like that term because that's not what I was. I was making an aftermarket product that I was really proud of. But at the same time, like, that's not who I am as a person. I don't, Rolex doesn't call me up and ask my opinion. I love their brand. I think it is a super incredible brand. I got nothing but positive things to say about them. However, I wanted to break out of that because I felt like I achieved something after about four-ish years, five-ish years. And I wanted to do something more with my life. Instead of just paying the rent, I was making a really good living. And I said, let's take this for a spin. And I had told my business partner, who's now retired, and I've purchased his set of the ownership on Everest. I said, let's start a watch. Let's do a watch. And he was like, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> that looks way too dangerous. <laughs> Straight up, it's like what he said to me. We're sitting in Basel World 2016. And he's, we're sitting outside. It's beautiful out. The day is gorgeous and the sun's out and, and we're having a coffee. And he's like, absolutely not, not wanting to do this. And I was like, let's do it anyway. Fuck it. We only live once. So at that point, like we were one or two minutes away from having a meeting with our buckle manufacturer who we knew made cases and bracelets. And I didn't even tell him that I wanted to do a watch brand, but he just came out and was like, Hey, I want to show you guys the latest thing I did for dot, 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 dot. Big, 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 big brand. Because at that point we were like the nobodies. Like they didn't, he didn't, you know, think that I was ever going to do anything other than just make buckles with him. So I was like, wow, this is super cool. Started asking him costs and questions. Where is exactly it all made? What's, you know, cause I knew that they were kind of like a mix of Swiss and Asian manufacturing. Um, and then I told him, I said, well, actually, we're really interested in starting a watch brand. <laughs> and that's where it all began at that exact moment where I was like, we're doing this. And uh, I kind of signed us up, even though my business partner at the time was like, I don't want to do it. So that's just really the truth. That's, but that's, having those that's conversations is free, right? That, that's, the, that's, the, that's the deal, right? Having the conversation is always free. It, it sometimes proves not to be free, but the conversation itself is always free. Yeah. And it was an epic mess in Monta for like two or three years. Yeah, too. Well, like, like let's not sugarcoat that. That's same, the same, the same thing that Monta, or the same thing that Everest happened at Monta, where it took me time to build it up and understand how to do it right, and nail it. Um, well, and, and, you, and and you so, know, you guys came into it. You guys came into this really evolving, into this really evolving marketplace, right? That that was sort of the. It, it wasn't the beginning, but that was really when everybody was able to see like, this is different. The consumer was able to understand that direct sales were possible and created a, a significant 
advantage to the consumers. You, you know, we've talked to Andrew and I have talked on the show a little bit about how th- there's no actual elimination of the middleman. The, w- when you eliminate the middleman, you increase the margins to the owners, w- which is a great thing. I, I don't think that's a bad mm-hmm. thing. Sometimes there is a net result uh, uh, th- th- that winds up lowering the cost of goods to the to the end user. But there's you don't eliminate that middleman. Someone's got to do the work that the middleman would do. Uh, but yeah. I, I think at that time people are starting to see you've got these brands popping up. You, you know, uh, no need to name names, I guess. But, but but take your pick. It's the growth of Kickstarter. It's the explosion right. of everyone is connected to the internet. Everyone can research. Everyone can see the listicles of watches. There's like the economy is booming again. So people are buying. Yeah. shit like things you don't need and you can spend money on expensive things yeah and you're seeing this exactly. micro this micro economy of of competition and and price you know price competition actual price mm-hmm. competition at that level right where we 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 think about like okay well well tiso is still selling or launching perhaps is still selling 1300 uh, at the time, Hoyer's still selling fucking six thousand dollar quartz watches, right? But but also, look at this company, you know, whatever. Take your pick of any of the micro brands. Th- that's right. Look look at MK two yeah. or or whoever, right? And they're doing this incredible shit for under way under a thousand bucks or three hundred bucks at the time, right? And and look at the quality differences. So. You don't get to look at the quality difference. And some of these, some of these guys, like I know personally, so it's okay if we talk about them, like Mark two, MK two, Helios, Astern banks. um, Those guys, all guys that have been on the show. Actually, no, that's not true. Bill has never been on the show, even though he's, we've talked about it a hundred times. And Jason, I think tries to pretend we don't exist, but (laughs) yeah, Jason does seem, he's very like, I think he's a very private person. I naturally. think so. I think yeah. so. I think yeah. that's right. I don't, I don't think he likes the limelight at all, which is totally fine. I, I mean, don't make more power to him. <laughs> he makes amazingly cool watches. Yeah. So in Switzerland, I got nothing. Yeah. A lot of times I think that he's, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's, I don't want to like say, is he making him in Switzerland? Cause I don't really know all the background. Well, but. I, I will say, I will say this. Uh, there's a California YouTuber, average bros. Who's, I would say a friend of mine, he does fantastic reviews, but when he reviewed, I believe the universe, uh, he said, I talked to Jason and Jason told me he could have marked this made in Switzerland based on the, based on the, the rubric for that qualification and chose not to. That is hearsay. We're a few parties removed from the source on that. In any event, it's the type of thing that I heard, and I was like, "That's plausible." And not only is it plausible, it's maybe a little bit better in my mind than plausible. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, again, I I think that you know you start to kind of drill down these guys, and and you and it's a little bit of a tale of history, right? Because a lot of us in this, like, I'm the old man in the room when it comes to this, right? Because I'm like, I'm the guy who was like, you know, I was there when the I'm not joking. I was there when I was at Baselworld and they dropped the Apple watch and it was like, somebody let a fart off in the room, man. I mean, it was like <laughs> bad. Like people were terrified of this thing. They were like, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm standing in a room with a bunch of execs from all these big brands 
and English is the international language in Switzerland. Like it's half the the country's half German, half half French. So I they're all speaking English, and they're all saying things like we're we're gonna we're gonna lose all of our market share. This comp this Apple is gonna eat us for breakfast. We've seen this before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we've seen this before. We know where this is gonna go. Our dads are all screwed. And then you know it's the old the old dudes walk in and are like, oh god, the quartz crisis. This is just the repeat. You know, yeah. the smartwatch is gonna eat us for lunch. And we're like, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself. I don't think so. I can make a strap for that. <laughs> well, I, well, yeah, I know. It's like, well, I mean, I thought to myself, I'm like, wait a minute. So you think that a $400 smartwatch is going to somehow be purchased over a $4,000 chronograph from tag. You're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just, that's dumb. And I mean, was I right? Yes. Could it have been that way? Possibly. But I think the consumer just saw it as like, they they went and said, okay, I have this watch. And then it started beeping constantly on their damn wrist. And they were like, well, I liked the fact I could tell the time again, but this thing's annoying. I'm going to go see what else is at the watch door. And it's got judgmental, right? It's not a watch. None of our watches tell me you've been sitting for too long. I don't need to hear that from you. <laughs> you have taken yeah, an unhealthy I don't, amount I don't of steps. Need your ad, okay, <laughs> I, you're not my wife. Okay, so like, <laughs> well, so Mike, you've promised you've promised uh, to show us some sausage being made today. I I, I sure. think I, I think that it would be fun. We talked a little bit about you know prior to the prior to us pushing the record button. We've talked a little bit. You you and I certainly about different levels of manufacturing. And so I thought maybe I'd just run through a few scenarios and kind of talk about where we where we draw the line and, and what those things might look like on either side of the line. Can I first kind of frame this conversation within the 60% threshold that Made in Switzerland requires? I don't really have to concern that set myself with Monta or Everest because we're we're beyond sixty percent of cost. Right. So, but there is another. There's the other factor, which is pretty. You know, it's it's pretty low on the totem pole. Is the movement has to be made in Switzerland, mm -hmm. and then it has to be assembled and checked in Switzerland. Okay, and shameless self plug. We've had an entire episode on the made in Switzerland standard. Which yeah. I think is fantastic. And if you haven't mm -hmm. listened to it, I'm going to recommend you, you go find that. We'll we'll put it in the show notes. I don't remember what episode number that was. I just want to keep that in the back of our head while we move forward in yep. this conversation. Because yeah. it's an important component of this conversation. Yeah. And one of the things we've talked about is, you, you know, I think something like 70% of the people listening to this are in the United States, if not, quote unquote, American. Uh, made in USA means something very specific, and uh, the, the FTC is really aggressive. In order to put a made in USA, all of your parts and your manufacturing has to be all or substantially all within the United States. Uh, and, and made in Switzerland doesn't necessarily mean the same thing. It, it's there's a different there's a different standard that gets applied and, and so keep that in mind as we move forward made in switzerland not the same as made in usa there's no all or substantially all standard mm -hmm. yeah and also like you have to kind of just validate some things right so america is like what 380 million americans right 
you know, mm -hmm. something like that. And in Switzerland's eight million people. It's like LA. So like, yeah, it's like LA. exactly like <laughs> it's like the entire state of Missouri. Right. Or like so, four Oregons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like we like to, so we just have to validate this for a moment and think in our heads like this country cannot produce, you know, it can't have a military, a government, a banking system, a like water supply system, all of these things, and also produce every single and have the sub requirement that the watch is a hundred percent made here. Right. Can't do it. Right. Whereas in America, we could do that with a lawnmower, no problem. Right. You know. So so in that to, go ahead, Mike. I was gonna say that, but to kind of pull that back, like this is where we we I'm more than happy to kind of go a little bit into this and see that we can talk about this. So maybe perhaps in that context, I think I'd like to start at a place that that's going to be very accessible for our listeners, which is, you know, you know picture the um, Swiss brand, and there's probably about five or six brands that might meet this basic definition, but folks that are making Swiss made brands, legacy Swiss made watches, legacy brands, some, someone that's been around for 80 to, you know, maybe 150 years, uh, it started making pocket watches in the you know late 19th century or whatever who who knows but but now is making watches that exist at you know 400 to 1500 dollars in that range accessible uh but also nice and clearly made in Switzerland I, i'd like to talk a little bit about what does that actually look like? Where is that watch actually made? We don't have to go screw by screw, but what are we actually talking about? We've got a handful of components, right? We've got a movement. We've got a bracelet. We've got a clasp. We usually have a case. And then we've got things like crystals and stems and, uh, you, you know, other components. Where are these, where are these products being made? Who's making them? And where are they being put together and who's putting them together? So, and, and just to kind of point this out, like it's the watch case and what's inside that, that we're going to talk about because the bracelet doesn't count in that number. AKA the bracelets being made in China. The clasp <laughs> is being made in China. <laughs> Uh, right. Well, I, I mean, that's, I that's, isn't that, wanna, isn't that fair for us to say at this point? It ain't being made in Switzerland if it's, if just, it's some of those brands you yeah, mentioned. Yeah. So just like, based I off mean, of the Swiss rules, yeah, we so, can safely so we're, assume. We're, we're going to talk about the thing. Okay. That is like the case, the crown, the tube, the movement, the dial, the hands, the bezel, crystal, the bezel, the movement. We're not talking anything beyond that. Because like they that that is what the Swiss government says. Well, it's actually like the the like Federation of Swiss Horological. I can't remember the exact with what it's broken down into, but that particular group says, "Hey, we're going to be the governing body here, and that is all we're allowed to kind of like consider as the Swiss made part." Okay, Federation of the Swiss Watch Industry. Yes, they have an English Feder translation under the French and German on their website. Had to look it up. Me too. Yeah. So, so long story short, good news. Um, you're probably right. That bracelet's probably made in Asia. 
where in Asia, who, who knows? I mean, it could be China, it could be Thailand, it could be, it could be, it, it could be Africa. It could be anywhere. Yeah, right, but right. I mean, my point is, is that like, it's not like when you go down to it. So movement in, in, in Switzerland. So we know that because it's requisite, right? It's, it's, uh, it's French 101. Okay. You got to make the damn thing there. Everything else. It's kind of for debate. You know, like it, it's, it's likely at that price point that not much is made else there in Switzerland. Um, except there is one company that I'm going to bring up that I'm, I'm proud to say that they're as Swiss as you're going to get for under 500 bucks. And that is a Swatch watch boys. I mean, that baby is fully made there, which is impressive. It is like, I mean, I have the entire moon Swatch collection and you do not. I do. And they are not shabby. I mean, it's impressive. You know, yeah. we, one of the pre, one of the people we had on the show, this has been, gosh, two years ago now, was Steve Romer and and his son, Josh Romer, of the Swiss Watch Company, which is a, a, a fantastic IP story. If you've, if you've never listened to that episode, I, I recommend tuning in, uh, checking it out. It's early. We might not link that one in the show notes, but just look it up. Uh, but Steve Romer was a production manager for Swatch, for the Swatch brand within Switzerland. And he had some fantastic stories about that pre really, uh, I, I think pre 95 is mm -hmm. when he was with that company. So yeah, making watches <laughs> tip to tail in Switzerland. And you know, like that's something that, and, and I'm, I'm going to bring up another brand that I'm pretty impressed by <clears throat> when you think about it is Seiko. So like they're the only under $500 mechanical watch that is like an in-house movement. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're like, like, ha ha ha. That's a funny joke. No, that's a real thing. Okay. So like, that's kind of impressive. O Orient too, right? Say that one more time. Orient. Orient as well. You're right. Mm -hmm. Orient. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I forgot about them too. Yeah. They do that. So now of course they're making a lot of their parts in Asia, but. And, and, point and let's not forget citizen Miota, but. Who, who are all there yeah. in Asia where, where they should be making it. Yes. <laughs> it makes sense that they're making it there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, I don't think you're ever going to see a Swiss made Seiko guys, you know, it's not happening. So like, you know. that'd be a cool, that'd be a baller move. <laughs> a Swiss -made grand Seiko. It's so, the grand King Seiko. <laughs> so let's, let's talk a little bit of the, about the movement. Cause I think that that you, you said something and we almost glossed over it, but the movement is made in Switzerland. And that's the requirement. What does that actually look like? Because I know that not every screw is made in, in in Switzerland, but by and large, if we're talking, I think we can throw ETA out or, or perhaps Soprod. Um, what are we talking about for an entry level or 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 Salida, for instance? So just we can just throw those three out there. What are we talking about in terms of actual manufacturing? So I've had the pleasure of hanging out with uh the ceo of solida he's a pretty good guy he's a little gruff when you first meet him but when you get to meet him get to know him a little bit better he's he's not too bad um and he kind of i guess he kind of reminds me of myself because he's definitely like you know well whatever so but he told me like and i believe every single thing he's saying that they make every single thing in switzerland 
every single part piece, screw, spring, wheel, whatnot. And as someone who sells a Solita based watch and listens very thoroughly to his watchmaker when we're designing things, and I have used ETA, okay? I have used ETA movements. I'm not going to sit here and say I haven't, but it does kind of feel like Solita is a little bit better. Yeah, well, famously, Monta has mm -hmm. the same Monta manufacturer caliber made by both Solita and ETA, right? Yeah, so we we did for a while get access to ETA, but we just, in the end, thought Solita was better. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm just... And, and, I mean, and more accessible too, right? It wasn't even... I, like, I think because of the relationships that we have, we could have been able to continue to do ETA movements. And I mean, I'm just really telling you what we thought and we we feel this day. We don't we don't we don't have to we don't have to like hide behind. Um, well, we can only get solid movements. No, I mean we probably could get Etta and and whatnot. But I actually feel like we've built a good relationship with those guys, and like they make a fantastic product, and like we've been to their facilities and they've invited us in, and we've been able to see what's going on in there, and they deliver on time, and the quality is excellent, and. They've even made custom parts for us now. Like our movement's starting to get like, like it, it's not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's in-house. That's for sure. That's false. But it would be that like the parts that we're making are, are slightly different than the one that you're going to buy that says, oh, I'm the, you know, the XYZ top grade, blah, blah, blah. No, like ours has got a few things a little different here and there. We, we've asked them to make some changes and they've done it. So when you go to that level and you start getting into that, 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 stage of the game you decide not to change because you have a good relationship with your manufacturer now i will say that's kind of crazy is that our case and bracelet manufacturer is the exact same case and bracelet manufacturer that we've been now using since day one and i used them at everest to make the buckles so that's how old that relationship is so like my kids will probably still be using his kids stuff so um but to kind of go back to just like the price point, because that's what we're talking about, the 500 to, you know, whatever. Um, if you're getting access to, it, it, it is easier to get access to an SW200 than it is a, at a 2824. Yeah, without there's, a there's doubt. Absolutely. No doubt. There's no doubt. And maybe, but I can't speak to this really well, guys, because I don't make SW200 and 2824 products. I make the SW300. That's what I sell. So I sell their, I sell the formula one watch, the elaborate the, grade mm -hmm. or whatever I sell. Yeah. I sell the badass one. I sell the one that like, that's why it tells such good damn time. So you go a little lower, you hit that 2024, that SW 200, the 220. I mean, maybe there's some competition between those two guys. Maybe Adam makes a better one. I don't know. I, yeah. I can't answer. Well, so I, 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 I think it's, I, I think it's, it's part to part, right? There's, there's yeah. not a, there's not a consensus even within watchmakers and industry professionals. So there are watch brand, there are watch movements that are made in Switzerland. I think that suck. Well, you think Probably so. Say yeah. it on this show, but yeah, you don't have to suck. name names, but there's going to be right. There's going to be turds. Where, where have yeah. you seen <clears throat> having been in the industry for, for this long, where's the, where's the corner, right? So we have that 500 to $1,500 mark. We know 40% of the value is definitely getting made overseas outside of Switzerland. Definitely. And that's just of 
the the head of the watch. We're, five to 1500, definitely. 1500 to 5000. What are like, are, are we starting? We're clearly starting to see more Swiss made stuff, or are we seeing more expensive Swiss made stuff with still definitely 40% of the value being made overseas? Well, I mean, you know, you can just speak to brands right off the mm-hmm. bat, right? So, like, and this will all come as a joke to some people, like, of course, Paddock is making everything in Switzerland. Well, duh. Come on, are we kidding yeah. ourselves? Like, Paddock Philippe is making every damn thing there. Yeah. Okay. Do they have enough money to? They're, they're trillionaires. Yeah. Terry Stern is the shit. Okay. Yeah. He's got all the money in the world. He doesn't have to worry about it. He's making his watch there, and he makes a fantastic product. And, 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 and the margins, the margins allow for that, clearly. Yeah, absolutely, all day long, right? Um, then you step into, um, and what, let's just talk steel cause gold's mm-hmm. a little different, right? Cause gold, a lot of the gold watches, hundred percent gold watches are made in Switzerland. Let's just, I'll even right. say that out loud. That is a fact because the Swiss people do not trust if the gold is pure, if it's made in a foreign country. Right. That makes sense. That's actually, a, yeah. that, that just, and, and just think about the price point difference too. Right. Okay. Margin on gold watches is very low. Do not think it is high. It is very confusing, um, but the 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 amount of work that it takes to make a a gold watch waterproof is really insane because that metal is not very. It's too malleable to really be traditionally used as watch material. You, you can't, can't use can't the on it. You, you can't use the sure force in quite the same way. No. So let's just talk steel because it's a little less complicated. So then you hit like Rolex, right? Um, absolutely, the whole damn thing's made in Switzerland. Okay, I know where their bracelet factory is. I mean, the, the Rolex bracelet factory is in Switzerland. Start to finish, the whole thing's made there. Um, however, the volume of watches that they make is unreal. Mm. They can do it because of the economies of scale. Mm-hmm. So you can buy a, what, like $5,800 Oyster Perpetual in steel made in Switzerland, but another brand that is $5,000 or so, it's it may not be, it, it may, I mean, of course, I don't know all the brands, but it may not be made in Switzerland mm-hmm. entirely. They're, they're leaning pretty far into it because they're, 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 the quality is so high and certain pieces but um, but that kind of leads to that middle ground question is like, where do you hit the price point? Damn, it's really hard to tell you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know that I can tell you a little bit about the world that I work in and where I sit in that world, okay? And that is I utilize Swiss manufacturers that at times have to make portions of my watch in Asia to meet a realistic price point. Mm-hmm. So does it mean that every piece and part is made in in Asia? No. It just means that like out of the case, certain items are made in Switzerland. A lot of the stuff that has to be like super precision will make there, but then other parts within there are not because we just can't, I can't afford it. And, and, And frankly, the only way to afford it would be either that I make 1.5 1.5 million watches a year yeah. and then we could do it there right and then still the diving watch would be ten thousand bucks like rolex 
or um Or you I mean, open up yeah. your own facility and and totally you have thirty thousand square feet of manufacturing, which isn't realistic for a brand of your size. No, it's just not like. And even then, it wouldn't. It we we wouldn't even produce as good a watch as we produce today. Today, hmm. like honestly, you know, I mean, I've never met anybody who, and I, I've seen a lot of facilities and a lot of things where they say like, "Hey, look how great we are. We're making every single part and piece ourselves," and they hand you the watch case over. And I'm like, oh, congrats, man. That's really good. And I'm like, that was a piece of, that was a turd. Like that quality of the cutting of the steel. It looks like somebody used a, like a scissor. Like you can see the two sides are not matched. I mean, it's like, you know, you can see that the polishing was not as good because there's so many processes that go into making a watch that nobody really talks about. Like, you know, like on the videos, you always see like somebody like hand polishing the watch. That does not really happen. That's absurd. He's just cleaning the fingerprints off literally that, yeah, and, and that's that's joke. leftover from you know the from the the origins of of swiss watchmaking where that's this disparate production thing where everyone's doing their specific part there's no manufacturing line there's no assembly line it's hey here's your bucket of hands from the finest hand makers in switzerland and here's your bucket of of indices like and, and that's that's continued yeah, I mean, barring it, some major brands who have all in-house everything. Yeah, I mean, you got like, you know, there's a little joke in the Swiss watch industry that if you, you go to Rolex to retire, and you're like, wait, what? So it's because like when you go into to make me work for them, you only do one thing at a very low specific. You you just repeat the same job over and over and over again. One of my friend's daughters works in for Rolex. And um, she was a super wonderful girl. And she was telling me about, you know, her job there. And she makes something like, um, like, a, like a piece within the, like an oyster perpetual or an oyster case, uh, I'm sorry, oyster bracelet piece. And it's just the same link over and, and does, she doesn't make the whole thing. She just makes one portion of one link and that's her job. She doesn't polish it. She just is the part of the process where they cut it from the steel. You, you know, I've heard I've heard Rolex's manufacturing um, process, specifically this aspect of it, be compared to like traditional Japanese manufacturing um, mm -hmm. circumstances, right? Where it, instead of instead of having everybody be cross trained. You you come into Rolex, you figure something out, and that's what you do for perhaps twenty five to fifty years, and, and that's it. Which is not which is not super common in Switzerland. You know, we talk about one of the things that Rolex is famous for is for being very tight, very in house, not sharing. They make everything. Rolex is probably the only company in the world that makes absolutely every part of the watch. Right? I I, I know that Seiko is also doing similar things, but Seiko's got such a wide range that it's hard to say the same thing. Rolex, from their most expensive watch to their least expensive watch, completely owns, and, and they're, they're, they're weird, not in a bad way, they're weird in that regard. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's almost hard to have a conversation without saying, like, just simply, Rolex is different, right? Yeah, they're the conundrum. 
they're the one that no one will ever truly be able to replicate because, and there are like, and just to be clear, there are a few items that they do outsource. Okay. So like, and I'm going to mention them and they're all going to seem super obvious why they don't make them. Okay. They don't make their own luminescent material. <gasps> what? Yeah. Like it's going to shock you guys. Seiko they makes their, <laughs> Seiko makes it's their Seiko, right? material. No. Oh, okay. great guess. I guess. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not though. You can confirm on this show it's not Seiko. because uh, I've heard I, that. I, I I I am I am I have been told by the manufacturer of the material that who doesn't work for Seiko. Who does not work for Seiko. <laughs> 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 they don't make it there on us the luminous. Yeah, okay. Material. But why would you? I mean that's the sure. dumbest. Why would you why would you sure. make that's like it's a paste. Like you just buy the it's paint. A, it's exactly it's, it's a, a coating. System. Yeah. It's exactly, it's stupid. Why would they do that? Everything else is kind of a conundrum and a question mark. I'm pretty sure they make everything else. I, I'm I'm fairly confident they're making rubies. Can't, yeah, they're probably, I mean, that's a grown item. They're you know, making so hairsprings. Well, that's what I've been hearing is like a mix. Maybe they don't, maybe they do. It's hard to tell because a hairspring is a really tough part to make. But again, like even if they made don't let's say that let's say they don't make their own hairsprings. Who fucking right? cares, right? Who cares? Exactly. Who gives a shit? Well, like who gives a shit? Well, so so in, in with that in mind, right? Can we maybe perhaps dispel a myth, which is that so we've talked about China or we've talked about Asia, and we're using kind of general terms, but I think that there is an assumption that Switzerland is making better stuff than Asia, right? Because we talk about places like Patek Philippe you brought up. Um, and, and there's just this assumption. There are a handful in the last four or five years, a handful of like Hong Kong-based brands or Korean brands that have like the one that always pops into my mind is Memo Origin, uh, which is a Hong Kong-based tourbillon maker that's making like outrageously cool top of the line watch stuff can we just for the purposes of this conversation dispel the myth that you can't get good shit in china or asia perhaps and and, and you know i just wanted to say one other thing about the just not to to like i want to close the door on the rolex thing like just to make the final point here like the whole damn thing's made in switzerland Okay, so like that has to be super impressive. Eight million people in the whole country, and they're able to pull off one million watches a year plus. Wow. Okay, yeah. that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Okay. Still. Can't Second can't. thing, but your question about can you make good crap in Asia? Hell yeah. I mean, that's absurd to think that you don't. Where you where the where the big confusion is? Actually, you know what? One person told me this really well. Okay, they said. Do you think that Lamborghini and Fiat are equal? And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, and this was a Swiss person. He goes, do you think Lamborghini and Fiat are equal? And I'm like, no, Lamborghini is a way better, cooler car. And he's a way better car. He goes, yeah, you know, they're both made in Italy, right? And I'm like, yeah. Hmm. He goes, well, it's Italian car, but they're both made there. So like, stop thinking that just because one is made there, it's somehow better than another one made there. It's not the I was label. Like, well, I was, what was that? It's, it's not the label. It's not made in Italy. The label doesn't make the car. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So made in China is the same way, right? So like we have all grabbed a hold of a real piece of junk Chinese watch, 
And we've all held like a super amazing Chinese watch. Where you find, at least from what I've been able to identify as personally, is, a, is the level I'm at, which is like, my manufacturer does have full, I just I say our manufacturers at Monta and Everest, like they have full facilities in Switzerland. But to utilize, like you could make a watch from start to finish there if you want. Okay. It just, it's not affordable for us. Using those, the, the company that, that we've used in some parts, they, they, the machine that's the floor in Switzerland and the machine that's on the floor in China is the same machine. The manager of both facilities is a Swiss person. The labor at times to design the way the machine is going to work is a Swiss person. So the way the machine has to, you know, you have to program the machine. And, and that's because these machines are Swiss, right? Yeah, because these things are in, they're all in French. Yeah. yeah they're Swiss made machines. So like, it's just not the because there's anything inherently better about a Swiss programmer. No, no, right, no. Right. It just, it's like, because there's only one guy who knows how to program those stupid ass machines. So like, be that my guy. point is, yeah, it's like, you know, Jan uh, on the third floor, he knows the only, that's his main job. He just, you know, he draws up the, the plan and puts it in the machine. And then, but the person who is standing, opening the door of the CNC machine and putting the next bar of steel in, so to say, or whatever it is, happens to be Asian or happens to be Swiss. That's just a fact. That's how that works at the, at the, at certain levels. Yeah. Now you step, you can step pretty far down and pretty far up from there. Like you can of go course, pretty with far down. And, and, and to, to maybe put a point on this, like I think most of the people who have been inside a Fiat in the United States have been inside a Mexican made car. Just, just to, to put a point on it, right? Like fiats are made in Mexico. Okay. If you have a fiat in the United States, yeah. it was made in Mexico. I've never been in a fiat. Well, maybe you've been in some other, like a Chevy that was made in Mexico. Uh, <laughs> nope. Uh, you, you know, but, but all that to I'm say, it, it's, <laughs> it's this thing we assume like, oh, well, you know, perhaps Swiss, you know, you know, Swiss watch company, XYZ, $800 watch. They're actually making things in Asia, which is a reflection on the quality. But I don't think that there's any evidence that I've ever seen that suggests that there's any drop in quality. The, the quality is the quality, right? Uh, you, you, you know, we look at these Chinese tourbillon makers and they're making these absolutely ridiculously stunning movements that are in every single way hot horology and polished and hand finished and all of these amazing things it's not you can't you can't make assumptions we we put a lot of value in country of origin vaguely and indiscriminately but there's it, it's just impossible to draw any conclusions from those facts i think that's that's kind of what I, what i'd like to pull out of this I have one final question from your view within and around the Swiss watch industry. Is there, how would you describe the relationship to the growing Asian watch industry? My, my perception would be that the Swiss watch industry at large really appreciates the manufacturing improvements, 
the improvements in Asian-made brands and their quality and the competition that that drives. But I could also see places in that world that are a little intimidated by it, not in the courts crisis way, but in the, look, these guys are, the, not only are these guys here to play, but they're also a, a super important component in our own industry, in our own ability to thrive. Well, like, I mean, we'll just call it as is, right? So there's more Chinese watch parts manufacturers than there is Swiss watch parts manufacturers, mm -hmm. right? The, the Swiss don't, if you're, if you're talking at the brand level, right? They, res, they, they don't, they respect both companies. They, they, you know, I say Chinese, but it could be Asian, East Asian in general, right? So they respect those people. They're, they're, they have good relationships with them. Um, some of us feel that we want to have like a Swiss person to talk to and a Swiss, it's Swiss ownership, you know, that owns mm -hmm. the factory in Asia and owns the, you know, the tools and the uh, machines, et cetera, and the building. The level where it's like the actual manufacturer, though, obviously that's competitive, mm -hmm. right? So like they personally feel, the Swiss do feel, and I would say for the majority of things that are kind of hard to identify for anybody, and these parts are things such as like luminescent pips, okay? The Swiss just do a better job, you know? Um watch hands um those little things and that's where like you know a brand like monta we feel like we have to have that stuff made in switzerland ironically it's the most expensive parts not because, necessarily because you want to be in switzerland but because you want to have the best shit exactly like you just can't tell the difference of some of the other things um the spring bars and the pushers and the ceramic balls, like that stuff, all we have made in Switzerland, not because, am I losing the? No, you said balls. Oh, balls. <laughs> just, you, got, you got it. Yep. Sorry. Dropped a ball joke in there. But, um, but yeah, like those things are just like, you, you can't find any better ones. They, they just, they, they, they don't make, they don't make them as good in China as they do in Switzerland. That's just a fact, you know? So, but case bracelet, Oh man, sometimes like the Chinese kind of do it equal or at times like you can, depending on the situation, they can really nail it because they're using the same damn machine. Yeah. But like, you know, like some of those things are just generational and they're passed down and they're not like something that you're going to get, you know? Um, I think it really kind of correlates to things like leather, you know, like the best leather in Italy is the best leather in the world is from Luca, Italy. And you're like, well, I've never even heard of that. No, it's really the best. Absolutely. Hands down total best stuff in the world. And it's like, it's like, it's like the 11th generation of leather manufacturers making it. So like, it's like my great, 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 great granddad created this process that now is being copied in other places, but You'd it's not as be good best, because yeah. Yeah, because the vegetables that we're using to tan the leather, like they're the ones that are outside. Right. In our ground. Well, well you, you, know? You, you know, we we see a similar thing in the United States leather industries, right? Like, uh, 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 I don't know, 15 years ago, there was this company called Horween that was uh, this ancient company, had been around for many, many, many years, and they had kind of perfected this really discreet 
process for tanning horse hides. Uh, and, and now Horween is the company in the United States. If you want leather, it doesn't matter if you want shell cordovan, if you want, you know, a, a chrome tanned leather, uh, Horween is the company, right? And, and it's not because of where they're at. It's not because of the nationality of the company. They just, it's, they've got this legacy. They've refined the processes. They own the, the network literally, um, you, you know, they are going to beat everybody else. Now you might get a run of, of shell cordovan from some other company, some Italian company or whatever that's competitive. But if you want shell cordovan, you better start by looking at what Horwin offers, right? Same, same, same deal. Yeah. You just, you find yourself like that's, that's just recognizably, that's the thing to go with. So, but that's just, those are things that you can't just put on a computer screen or you're going to see in a YouTube video, you got to touch them and feel them and see them, you know? And if you see those things, you kind of get it, you know, it's like, I'm not going to make fun of Corvette owners in this joke, but like the Corvette owners, like, Oh, my Corvette's the same as a Ferrari. No, it's not. It's objectively You've never driven not. Ferrari then. What's up? It's objectively not. It's objectively not the same thing. Like <laughs> meaning that the power windows will still work in the Corvette in ten years. And the feeling that you get behind the <laughs> wheel of the Ferrari is undeniably amazing. Whereas the Vets a vet. It's still cool, and I still would love to drive one around. But Ferrari murders it every day, twice on Sunday. So like, it's, it's just, is what it is. Like, let's not fool around. Like, so yeah, you know, but going down to like nuts and bolts. Uh, yeah, that's where we're at with watch stuff. So. I like it. I do. I like it. Uh, I, I would like to do something just quickly before we transition. Cause this is the time of the episode where we talk about things that are not watch related, but before we shift. So M- Mike, we, we've talked a little bit about Everest horology today. Um, but you have kindly sent us some products. You sent us some straps. You sent us some leather goods that you guys, uh, that you guys market. I had already had a two watch holder. I purchased when I purchased my triumph. I also talked to Justin out of a Monta branded, but Everest watch case. I think if you wouldn't mind, I'd like you to take a minute to just talk about like what the, what is it you guys are going with, with Everest? What are you trying to do? Where do you think you fit in the industry and, and what makes Everest products special? And and I I guess this is a fair opportunity for me to just say, I'm going to ask you to plug your company. And I thought maybe we just spend, you know, maybe the next five minutes talking a little bit about Everest. Well, I think that Everest is, you know, it's, it's definitely like a conundrum in the watch industry because we're not a strap manufacturer. Like what we do is we allow a Rolex or a Tudor or a Panerai owner to customize their watch to something that they would have liked the manufacturer to have done. And then we allow them to make that customization very colorful and fun. Now, there's a lot of just dog shit garbage that you can get off of eBay that kind of looks similar to our stuff. Or Ollie. Or Alibaba. Yeah, right? And you know what? You buy that stuff, and if that'll make you feel good at night and so on and so forth, that's great, okay? First, the customer service is worthless at all those levels, okay? So that's that's going to drive you nuts. 
But even more than that, it's this like every single aspect of our product is just so high, so quality, so over the top. Um, when you buy a watch from us, a watch strap from us, it comes with spring bars. Well, those spring bars are an exact, exact replacement to the ones that are in your watch. They're not just some cheap, crappy one. It's that perfect replacement. Yeah. We're the only strap maker that does that. Yeah, the spring huh. bars, the spring bars on this on this strap are notably better than what I get. Yeah. Than what comes yeah. on a foster, for instance. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what, guys? Like, that's cool. And at first you'd probably be like, wow, it's kind of an expensive upgrade, right? Even the spring bar in the buckle we custom made. That's ridiculous. Okay. It's so over the top that we do these things. But you own a Rolex. You have an expectation that we're going to nail it. Okay. If you spend $240 on a watch strap with us, that watch strap's going to be with you for quite a damn while. So, where are we in this industry? We're, like I said, we're kind of a conundrum because there are competitors out there, but they just don't do it as well as us. And why do we keep on growing? and growing and growing and growing. And those guys kind of always seem to fall off, right? Cause there's like five or six of them right now. Mm-hmm. And they'll be, they'll just eventually they'll die, which is fine. Okay. But what nobody, what nobody's talking about is like years ago, there were some other guys that also failed and died because the customer, the consumer has such a high expectation of demand on what their watch trap is going to be that we just deliver it every single, at every single point, every single time. And and so, what and what are you delivering? I mean, we talked about spring bars, but let's talk a little bit about the rubber. Andrew and I both remarked. So we received these Everest straps. We're uh, uh, I, I, neither one of us owns a Rolex as we sit here today, or a Panerai or a Tudor. Correct. Which are the straps that you make? We do each own Monta watches because we're huge Monta fans, and those are and kind of in our price range. Um, as far as rubber straps, I have owned a lot of rubber straps. I Andrew also has owned a lot of rubber straps. I've owned a lot of rubber straps. I love. Um I've been up and down the FKM lines. I've you know used MBR rubber straps. Um what's the Italian company that makes the Benito Cinturini? Y- yes, Benito Cinturini. Um, you, you know, I've seen a lot of rubber straps. I got this and Andrew and I both remarked almost simultaneously like, oh, okay, I get it. I get it now. I get it. Um, what's happening here? Why is the rubber better as a guy that has purchased lots of rubbers, FKM rubber straps from the watches I sell, <laughs> um, and has received any number of, you know, straps from places like Uncle Seiko or Uncle Straps now, um, or perhaps uh, Benito Centurini. I own some Benito Centurini stuff, which is fantastic. I love it. it it's a little fragrant, uh, which sometimes I like and sometimes I don't. Uh, what What's going on here? What is this rubber? Yeah, so it definitely isn't like your average tire rubber, is it? You know, no. So, um, so the molds that we make our stuff in are as precision as you're going to get. Um, and people say, you know, our, our stuff is made in the highest end factory. So the truth is, is that ours is like, you know, you list a bunch of brands that make a rubber strap for their watch and they're really known for it. That is the room that this is made in. So the quality of the tooling is so incredibly high. So the, and then the processing that goes on afterwards 
is just, it's not just falling off the mold and then they just kind of scrape the excess flash. It's like completely removed by hand um, or it's, there's an early process they do it during, after it falls out of the, 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 the mold and that's, um, it's running it through a, a, a frozen media. And it really does like an excellent job to it. But the material itself, this rubber is, if you notice it's, it's just has like all of these extremely uh, amazing processes that it goes through. And it's actually, it's made, which I was very proud of, but I've never, never actually even said this on air, is that um, the factory that makes this rubber is an American company. Yeah, it's well, kind of mind cool. bending. Yeah, it's kind of cool, right? So I know that the rubber material that my molder uses is from an American company. And I was like, wow, that's, that's really cool. They told me that later and I found out who the company was and and I did some research and they just don't normally make stuff. Like they even, I called the company and I said, oh, you know, I so-and-so told me that you guys sell them the rubber. And they said, yeah, you know, we, we actually heard of your product. We're really cool that you, we make yours. Um, our owner owns a such and such watch and, he attached it and he was really happy. Okay, cool. But it's the rubber itself is traditionally used for significantly higher end specific purposes where chemicals and the reaction to the skin and all of those different things cannot occur in medical devices and things like that. But then this material is then it's, it's, it's an additional process to make it stronger and more rigid, but also still giving it that kind of soft flexibility which I think is yeah. primarily what people care about, right? Silicone yeah. is this wonderful material because it feels it's it's rigid, but also like hyper flexible. Silicone's problematic because it tears, it, it tears, really? mm -hmm. and and it it tends to collect dust. It's, um, yeah. But really, what we care about is hand feel. Everybody wants a, a strap that feels like silicone, that's strong, and that is not going to collect dust. Uh, I, I think there's another problem with silicone, which is definition and the definition on this rubber is so what, what is the material? Can you tell me? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is an FKM. So, which is like a, it's like a class of rubber, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, like you can buy FKM products in China, you can buy them in yeah. Thailand and, and, and so on and so forth. And you can buy them also from Swiss companies and the company that we utilize, um, we, we've come to find out that they use the best. It just really is. There's nothing better. And, and like you said, it's hand feel. It's like, it's not flexible. It's kind of weirdly not flexible, but it's, it's got a little bit of give is maybe the right term. Sure. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's I, a conundrum. It's simultaneously supple and firm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 I hate to say this, but it's, it's like a little bit like kind of like strong flesh. You know, I don't, I don't know what else to say. Like, it's just kind of like yeah. muscle, but it's just strong. really great. Our, our straps feel just like strong flesh, and yes. and that's your and new motto. You're welcome. Yeah, I will work on the. I'll work on the the we'll promo for copy. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard flesh. Yeah, <laughs> like all the blood's in there. So. <laughs> got, a, got a good pump on. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just what it really is. Is it's just it, it. You put it on one time and you don't take it off. Like it. I I I'm wearing our latest product on um a sub today and i just is that a bluesy i've been i've been eyeballing it yeah, i haven't yeah. yeah 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 beautiful yeah it's, yeah it's the one two six six one three so it's the latest version and um i'm a kid in a candy shop i get lucky to get these things you know so but it's just perfect it's 
just for fun. I put it on just to see what it looked like today on, on something. Cause one, one of my friends had said to me, I was going out to breakfast and he goes, I bet you didn't match the bezel color on the blue of the bluesy. And I was like, you sure? Cause we, we didn't just match it. We dead matched it. And he was like, okay, whatever. We met for breakfast and he put it on his wrist and we went outside and he was like, okay, yeah, I, I, I hate to say it, but you just nailed this. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> I guess I'll buy it now. So, um, but it, it, it it's, it's trying to deliver the like Louis Vuitton level for a watch strap yeah. and happening to be online because we don't sell in stores anymore. Which is a problem, right? Like I, I will, yeah. will buy these now after having held one because I get it. What, what, man, we just lengthened the episode quite a bit. How, like, besides people like us, like, how are you getting the buy-in from people to, to get it? Well, I think it really comes from some of its word of mouth, but you know, like, man, the internet is a great place and a horrible place at the same time. Right. So surprisingly, you know, you can get like 500 great, happy customers and three will write the review. Right. And you can have one pissed off guy out of that 500 people and he will just murder you mm -hmm. as fast as he possibly can on the internet. And surprisingly, I think we do a good enough job that instead of getting three, we get 12 people to say, this is fantastic. This is really great stuff. You got to own it if you own a Rolex or Tudor or, or Panerai. Or and I think that we do, we also take social media and we make it fun. You know, like our social media is not all about watch traps, which is super boring. Um, watch traps it, are boring. Yeah, they're kind of boring. It's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a very sexy business. Um, but we try and make it just fun. Like we just did this like Johnny Depp joke, you know, about watch collecting and you telling, you telling, you know, the mother of your child, you, you would, when she asked you, you're ever going to buy another watch. And he, and he's like, no, no. You're, I'm going to buy another watch. So you have to kind of play with a little bit and then it just, it gets a little viral. We've had a couple videos, ironically get like 50, 60 million views without even us paying for it on our, our social media. The second thing we do that is really important is that we cover the watch industry. So we, we specifically write a crap ton of blogs on our, our actual website about the watch industry. And that gets a lot of people to see who we are just because they are interested. Um, and then the last thing is we do stuff like this with great people like you guys. Hey, you said we're great. Will, will you do I a did. custom one for me for the Santos? I know some well, people were doing that. There was some IP issues with the uh, quick release. Yeah, I don't, I don't really know why Cartier did that to those guys. I've never really owned any of their products, but I heard really good things about them, to be honest. So I don't know if I would, it was strange. Like I bet like Rolex has never, we never obviously, you know, mess with any of their IP, you know? Um, I don't think they really care about us. If anything, we've been promoting their product, you know? Um, but that was a little weird. Yeah. The that was weird. thing yeah. that we were talking about. Yeah. 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 I was like, huh. Okay, cool. Well, decision. Yeah. I hate to do it. We're long in the tooth. Well, as as we do. I'm going to move it along. Andrew, other things. 
What do you got? <clears throat> I have another thing. So this past weekend was my son's fake birthday party. And he wanted to take a friend camping in our camper. I did not want to do that mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of reasons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I suggested we front yard camp in the camper. That makes sense. And he was agreeable to that. I was like, sweet. So I plugged everything into the house and I was like, okay, what am I going to do with two eight-year-olds in this camper? Sure. Because it's a boring place. It's a bedroom. And I was like, I know what to do. So we had a spare, like a spare. We had an old TV that like, I, I don't like getting rid of things. I'm, I'm not quite a hoarder, but I'm really close. We had an old TV that was boxed up, packaged and put away. And about a year ago, my dad, when he came down for whatever reason, had these two grocery bags. I was like, that's weird. And they were all bulky and old. Within them were childhood gaming consoles and all of their games. So I was like, I know exactly what to do. So I brought this old TV, throw it down. I plugged in the Nintendo 64. And these two kids ate up Goldeneye. Exactly <laughs> the way that I did. Best video game ever. They loved it. So that's my other thing. And and so <clears throat> that's part one of my other thing. This prompted me to start looking for Nintendo 64 games, which one would expect would be very cheap. Yeah. They are not. Not. You can find some sellers on eBay who have like pick your game for like two, three ninety nine a piece. But all that's left are like NFL games and wrestling games, which are both good games, good options, but there's none of like the good classic games. So this pushed me into the market to find some emulators. So over the next couple of weeks, I think I'm going to do the Mike Razak and buy several. I like that. And try out some emulators because these things come in ready to go. They use like a PlayStation platform controller. They plug into your TV. You've got 100,000 games. I, over the next several weeks, I'm going to buy a few emulators uh, to recreate these childhood games that really hit a chord with my eight-year-old. Uh, and I'll, I'll come back with the answer on the emulator that I went with. But my my true other thing is try your childhood games with your kids because they are, number one, you're way better at them. If you play Fortnite with your, your with your kids, you will lose. It will not be fun. You play Goldeneye with your kids, You're they gonna... will have fun. You will win. You will have fun. And and everybody wins when you win. Yes. Everyone wins. Man, Goldeneye, I could literally that that game in college was so addictive. I missed You are so aging. Much. You are aging yourself. Because Goldeneye is when I was a freshman in high school, that game was phenomenal. Yeah. I was younger than that. Yeah. yeah. You, you, Andrew was in utero. Yeah. In <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly, but younger than that. Uh, yeah. That's like I, some of my fondest childhood memories are playing Goldeneye and like just kicking the shit out of my dad. Cause my dad, this is like his introduction to video games and I'm a millennial. So just beating them with slappers only in the tombs. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> love that. Oh God. I remember just enjoying playing Goldeneye so much. 
and it would be like the like we'd have goldeneye tournaments in the dorm yeah it was like freshman year and we just we we literally play for i mean they'd go on for like 12 hours easy yep yeah and 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 you know i i dated this one girl and she just would be like what have you been doing for like 12 hours be like nothing nothing doesn't matter she's like you've been playing goldeneye aren't you like I may have, I dabbled. may have, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. I in some in some eye of golden, so per, perhaps, yeah. I I fully remember that, like going to sleepovers and everyone bring their Nintendo sixty four and their Golden Eye disc, and every every television that could be accumulated was in a room, and everyone is playing four screens, and you have like an eight and a half by eleven at best screen that you're working off of, and everyone's yeah. The, the golden age of video games. Mike Diamartini, other things, what do you got? I don't even know if I can compete with GoldenEye. No, you can't. It's hard. For that's, sure you that, cannot. That's hard. That, yeah. I brought the heat today. But do it anyway. Okay, so... Uh, well, I, I guess I'll pull two things. Maybe I can combine a half of the GoldenEye strength. So... The first one is the Owala, O-W-A-L-A bottle that's on my desk. I'm kind of infatuated with it. I bought it because I was going camping with my son, who's a who's a first-year Boy Scouter. And I hadn't been camping since college. And also in college, I was dead broke. So I, I got a couple bucks in my pocket, bought a fancy tent, bought all the like camping accoutrements. And I bought this, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest, didn't really enjoy the camping process. I forgot how it's not. There's a reason why I haven't done it since college. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, my kids sure as shit loved it. I, on the other hand, struggled through the whole process. But you know, even with the pod rocker, you know, chair and everything. Oh, so but, you went um, all out. You like you brought. Oh, I did. Those yeah. pod rocker chairs are phenomenal. Yeah. Oh God, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, talk about the best, absolute best chair to watch a soccer game in in the middle of fall is a pod rocker any like around a uh a fires you know making s'mores pod rocker time like you know pod rockers are the shit is it in your living so, room i don't think my wife would allow me to do it but <laughs> I, could, I, could, I could i could get it in there and be it'd be comfortable so I have this awala bottle it's like o-w-a-l-a i really loved it it has this really cool top I don't know if it's the model. Let me see if I can find the model. Free sip. I don't. It's like a 24 ounce one. I bought it at Target. It is absolutely amazing. It's like the epitome. It has this like really cool thing you can, and you just like hang that on stuff. I don't know. Real, real fans of it. Now, the other this thing is, is old. That's old school. Other things. That is old school. Other things. I got this new thing that is phenomenal. Surprisingly, and you should check it out. I love it. Yeah. The other thing is, I haven't cut myself with it yet. And I'm not a big knife guy, but my we were at uh, Wind Up in San Francisco, and they got this like everyday carry section now. Yeah, yeah. And at first, I was like, "Oh, come on, everyday carry guys! Like, what are you trying to make some money?" Actually, everything there was really good. Like Standard Eight showed up, and a couple other like really cool brands. But there's this this knife. It's called Ace. Have you guys seen these? I have. I, I have, but only because Mike talked about them in our Wind Up recap. I mean, I'm not trying to like get a free knife from them, but good lord, are these things nice? I bought Justin a knife, I bought Chandler the watchmaker a knife, and I bought myself one. And what's crazy is they're all very different designs. Justin has like a brass handle, and it has like a flip out dealy. I can't know. I don't know what that's called. What are those called? Come on, guys, you're a finger guys. stud. 
like a finger stud. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Or for like a flipper. Mm-hmm. You, uh, can yeah. I, can I say something? I don't think anybody knows Chandler's last name. Chandler is just Chandler, the watchmaker. <laughs> that is his last name. The watchmaker. He's had it legally. Yeah. I, I, it, it, yeah. We, we, we were able to change it legally. So that's kind of nice. He didn't um, like it, but it happened. His name is Lindemann. Lindemann. All right. Now, I think you've ruined it. But now whatever. I get why he, uh, he wants to. <laughs> yeah. You just prefer, you just prefer to be the watchmaker guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is like, if you're, if you're in that market for spending on just, just right around $300 on a pocket knife, this is the brand. Like it's called these Ace. Are really nice. Ace. Yeah. Ace. I saw the James brand there too, which was pretty slick, but for some reason the aces were just talking to me. <laughs> Those are the ones that popped out at you. What, yeah. what model well, is it? Oh I gosh. Uh, I can find them on giant it, mouse. That's it. I yeah, I think it's the M390 because it's on the blade. But it has it's it's it is it's like a little hard to open and close, but I like that. Yeah, you want a little bit of you want a little bit of resistance when you're, yeah. And I think Giant Mouse Andrew is actually the brand, and, yeah. and Ace is their line is the yeah. line of knives. I yeah. think you're right. Yeah, well, maybe I'm I'm messing this up. Well, you screwed it up. Gross. It's fine. We'll forgive you. And they are sold oh out of like everything. Yeah, that they're they're one of those companies that's that's demand is outpacing their ability to produce things but that's that's cool that actually is even cooler right and, and you got one that looks like a good folder i got randomly and i gave two away i bought three and gave two away because i was like you guys have to have these they're so cool and then uh chandler got the nibbler the nibbler i don't know if that's the nibbler he's real he was real happy he kept on calling it i was like do i have the nibbler the nibbler <laughs> so I've got another thing. I want the nibbler. I've got another thing. So this is a, a big one for me. Okay. This is a big one for me. I have bought, I believe, the probably the best value in cars you can buy. So uh, at about a quarter of the price of a Ferrari 812, I purchased the greatest car in the world, the, the Corvette Z06 2023. Something like 700 horsepower, uh, I'm just joking. No, Obviously, I did not drive buy a Corvette. Yeah, I just ever, wanted ever, to fuck with my. Like, ever going to give me the bird in like two seconds on screen? <laughs> like he's literally going to flip me the bird on my Top Corvette for line. about a quarter, about a quarter of the price. Fully loaded Corvette Z06. Cops uh, follow you until they can see your face in the mirror. They're like, "Oh, it's an, a weird nerd, <laughs> <laughs> not a drug dealer." Yeah, yeah. And we're done. <laughs> no, so I have it. I do have another thing. So on Friday, I went to a, a premiere night movie. One of the things our family likes to do when a movie comes out that we're excited about. And this movie has gotten mixed critic reviews. But what I like to do, anytime a movie gets mixed critic reviews, I like to look at the audience reviews. So this is one of those movies that's like 80 Critic reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. 80 is not a bad number, but it's not a great number. It's pretty good. But the the audience reviews are like 96. It's pretty good. Uh, I went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy. So let's let's get something out of the way. I saw Volume 3. I saw it on Sunday. It was amazing. Uh, let's get something out of the way. It's a fucking long movie. And the yes. first, I don't know, hour of the movie is... A, a little long. It's a little long. We're we're getting a little dark. We're getting a little heavy. 
It was very different. It was, this is, I believe, my favorite Marvel movie. Having watched, at this point, all of the MCU movies, every single one that has been made, this, I believe, is my favorite of all of them. So, a handful of things. One, the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise or or that that portion of that of the MCU is has always been my favorite ever since the very first one. Um, the characters are phenomenal. I, it, undoubtedly, the most dynamic set of characters. It's funny in a way that I appreciate. Um, to say nothing about Chris Pratt, uh, I think he's uh, uh, makes fantastic characters and his on screen personality is great. Um, this this movie was like a little bit for me like Toy Story 3, right? You know when you watch Toy Story 3 and you were like, all right, all right, you Pixar bastards. Yes. You've tricked me. You did it. Uh, this felt that way to me, right? It, this, it shifts the frame on this Guardians. Of, all of the characters become different, some of them in really big ways. Um, it develops, though, your understanding of the organization. Uh, I absolutely loved it. It made me cry a couple times, like actual tears. Uh, it was like fun and funny, not the funniest guardians of the galaxy movie. No, but hmm. just enough funny. And certainly the most like heartwarming you walk out and you're like, I feel a little sad. And I also feel very happy. I loved it. I've done some post reading on it and, and some of the post reading that you're going to review is going to make you feel better about the movie. Yeah. I, I liked it a lot. It was super different. Super changed. It, it was clearly a iteration in the franchise, but it was unlike anything else in the entire MCU. Yes. Yes. It, yes. It, and it, I wasn't prepared for that. So walking out of it, I was like, what just happened? And then as it sunk in, I was like, oh, I get it. I liked it. I look forward to seeing it again. I'm a big MCU guy. I love the Marvel MCU. I'm not like advocating in any sort of like brand devotion way or whatever, right? I just think it's a fantastic franchise. And this for me, I think was the cherry on top of the Sunday. It did it. It did a good Loved thing. It. Loved it. Concur. We'll second your opinion. So, Mike, Fandango.com, buy your tickets. You need to see it. I can tell by your expression you haven't seen it. No, nope. I, I have. I, I you're love late MC to the party. Crap, I can't deny that. Yeah, not that late. It's like a week old. That, well, that means it's a week late. I do feel. I do feel bad now that I haven't watched it because I was gonna. As you're saying this, I watched on the on the mini screen um, on my phone. Because I, you know, I got three kids and a wife, so I don't get to the. They're all real young, so we we don't get to the movies much. But um, I watched uh, the like Michael Jordan Nike Air story. Oh my gosh, so good! Ben Affleck, so good. Oh God, you guys have you seen that? That yes. is mm -hmm. fantastic. Oh wow, I mean that was one of those movies where I don't want to say it was as good as Goodwill Hunting, but it had the same vibe. It, very much the same vibe. And, then, and it's a true story, and it's near and dear to our hearts. Uh, Andrew grew up a stone's throw from right there. this setting of that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was a few miles down the road. Just, a, just in a felony flats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool, cool movie. Okay. Quickly, Mike, 15 seconds. 
I'm going to give you to say anything else you want to say to these fine folks that are listening to our episode an hour and 45 minutes in. What are you doing listening an hour and 45 minutes in? We're not sorry. I mean, I just, you know, I just want to say like, thank you to all the people who've ever bought a product for me. Like just straight up. If, if you never heard me personally say it, let me just say thank you ahead of time because this is a small world. I got a crazy couple ideas and without you, I just am some goofball with a who's going to be broke ass. Okay. Because what we make here is a very specific product, both on the watch side and on the watch strap side. So thank you so much for purchasing a product from us and thank you for not returning it. (laughs) (laughs) We're filing a claim with your credit card. Thank you very much. I work very hard to make you happy. Well, and Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Andrew, I'm out. Hey, you guys. Once again, we've done it. Here we are, hour 45 minutes in. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Mike Martini, for joining us. Check out Everest Horology. Link will be in the show notes. Why don't you check us out at watchclicker.com? That's where we post every single episode of this podcast, as well as, you know, weekly uh, reviews, articles, other things that you might be interested in as a listener of this show. You can check us out on our Instagram at 40 and 20 underscore watch clicker or at watch clicker. That's where we post updates about what's going on in the podcast or on the website. If you want to support us, you have to do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. Look, that is how we fund this entire operation with no advertising dollars, no affiliate marketing and no salaries. That is how we keep the wheels on this truck. Patreon.com slash 40 and 20. Love to have you as part of that team. And don't forget to tune in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.